You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome. I'm Jamie McDonald. I'm your host of this show called Pets Mean Business on the Pet Life Radio Network. I'm so happy to uh, be here. This is number 33, number 33, which seems unbelievable. Um, Every time I look back at our show catalog, it always is amazing to me that we've been able to get such great guests on and have great conversations. And I feel like the more that we do this, the more real, the more raw, the more organic, the more beautiful the conversations are. And I know that today's show will be absolutely in line with that. So here's a deal. If you've been listening, then you already know this. But if you are just listening for the first time now because you're a fan of my guest, John, who I'm excited to introduce, the deal of this show is this. It's about finding a place that you're comfortable exploring your passions. And we do that in the pet industry. That happens to be the the category or the vertical in which that's what this show is about. But, you know, the goal here is that if you are in the pet industry, if you want to be in the pet industry, if you admire the pet industry, then there's a place for you, whether that's in volunteerism, whether that's in product development, whether that's to become a pet professional, a dog walker, dog trainer, what have you. If it's something that's calling your name and something that's drawing you in, there's a reason for that. And you need a space to call home to be able to explore that passion. And so the radio show here is really just one one touch point around that. So there's resources out there for you. There are people who want to help. You know, there are people in this industry who just want nothing more than to see other great people come into the industry. And there's some incredible organizations, uh, resources, individuals who are just solely in business or operating on a daily basis just to support you, just to support you. So I always give my email out. If you want to reach me and you want to talk about, hey, I have this idea or I'd like to meet this person or... I'm afraid because I'm afraid my family won't support this. If it's anything that you need, anything that you want, you can reach out to me and I'm happy to either help you myself or put you in connection or contact with someone who I think would be a great fit for whatever it is that you're looking to achieve. So it's Jamie, right? J-A-M-I-E at PetLifeRadio.com or Jamie at FetchFind.com, whichever is easier if you already have one in your inbox, whatever. Just that's, that's the deal. That's how you find me. One of those ways. So please. If you have a passion, you want to follow it, you want to be a part of the $63 billion growing empire that is the pet industry, don't do it. Just you got to do it. And John, my guest today, is going to talk about how to do that, how he's done it. He's doing some things to absolutely embrace that entire idea of great people wanting to work in this great industry and, and creating a vehicle for that. So I like that that's, I like that that's the guest today because I think it's kind of, you know, I think that John really does, uh, really he embodies that. And it's good because I want to keep on moving toward that for you, giving you resources, giving you ideas and giving you inspiration. All right. So on that note, are you excited? Do you know if you're listening, my guess is you already know who my guest is, right? So this is going to be really exciting. So we come back from the break. I will unveil my guest, not literally, just figuratively. And we're going to talk all about, you know, these things and these ideas. And we're going to dig down, dig deep, look at different ways to pursue the life that you want in working with pets. I'm Jamie McDowell. I'm your host on Pets Mean Business on Pet Life Radio. We'll be right back. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, 
front paw sleeves and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com Hey guys, we're back. I happen to be recording today's podcast. I wanted to say this and I was just talking to John about this. So I'm going to go ahead and talk about it because it's kind of awesome. So I live in Chicago. I'm a Chicagoan for life. And last night, so we're recording this on November 3rd. So November 2nd, the Chicago Cubs won the World Series. And so because of that, I am tired today. And I was just saying to John, you know, listen, I was up really late. There were fireworks, a whole bunch of stuff. This is Chicago, the Cubs. It's like I was asking him to give me an analog for what happens in in his country for this type of sporting event. And he, of course, chose something on the FIFA football thing, which I clearly, like, I know that that's a huge thing in the world. But here in Chicago, we're just Cubs fans and we won the World Series. So, John. Congratulations. Thanks, John. All right. So my guest today, I guess I should introduce you, not just jump into it. So my guest today is John McGuigan. And I hope I said that right. God, I hate that. Did I say it right? Perfect. Yep. Yeah, because we really, I really practiced that for you. And so John is, if you are listening because you already know who John is, then I don't need to tell you who John is because he's got an incredible reputation and is doing some uh, really innovative things around around our industry of dog training. Um, what I really like so far from what I know about John is that he has not insulated himself in just his community but he's actually has such a he has such a such a way of being with people and communicating his ideas that he's extended his reach worldwide which i feel like for a pet professional that's a really big badge of honor as you know john many people who work with animals kind of stay in their stay in their zone they stay in their community they stay in their demographic um, and the fact that you're worldwide, that you're known worldwide, that you've got an incredible reputation, that you're on the show right now, that I know you through a whole bunch of different people, you know, that says a lot about you. And I, I, I do recognize that. I know I have contacts in other places, but until you can, uh, it's just trying to remain humble about things. But I have a global network of people who I know in the industry. But And that's just as you were saying there, that's how we are able to connect. But that was never my intention when I started out. It was really just to use social media to promote what I was doing locally. And then people seemed to like it and it took off a little bit, you know, so. So when you're saying promote what you were doing locally, let's talk about what you were doing locally, how you started. Let's go kind of, let's go down that. Let's just get some understanding of how this whole thing happened for you. So I know you started doing, you started training dogs professionally in 2009. So what happened before that to bring you to the point where you were able to declare that you were a professional dog trainer? So I didn't get my first, I've been kind of nuts about animals my whole life. My one of my earliest memories was standing with a greyhound on the beach in Scarborough, uh, which is a um, holiday town in the north of England, and I can re- I still can remember the smell of the dog's coat in the sunshine, you know. Um, but we didn't have pets growing up. We had a goldfish, and my parents didn't like animals, so I didn't get my first dog until 1999. How old were you then? 26. Okay, so uh, you were so definitely a little bit older than than yeah, than, yeah. Uh, and just started getting into training a little bit um, more to just as an interest. And then we got two Mastiffs and we got a Bordeaux in 2001 and a Neapolitan in 2003. And I was really used, um, 
unfortunately, the training methodology that I subscribed to at the time was kind of pack theory, dominance-based corrections, you know. And I managed to train my dogs really successfully to be really aggressive and reactive with other dogs through that training and thinking I was doing the right thing. So that was a kind of byproduct of using corrections. I then started, I was put in touch with a local positive reinforcement trainer, and that kind of started me on the journey that I'm on. To what year was that? What year was that? 2000, 2006, probably. 2007. So so how long did you have your dogs before you met the, um, the, the positive reinforcement trainer? So six years. Six years of using prong collars. Yeah, so it's not, it's something that's still... I try not to spend too much time thinking about it because, um, yeah, it's not a, it's not a highlight. I, know. Life, I you know. know, I get it. Yeah, so six years I was using coercive training. So how did you, So, and I don't want to belabor that period of your life because I understand that that's a painful memory yeah. or it's just something that's just not even worth talking about anymore other than just taking yeah. the lessons that you learned from that as far as how you've moved forward. But I do have a question. How did you find yourself working with the, or choosing those breeds? Because those are powerful dogs, sizable dogs, especially when you hadn't grown up with dogs to move into those, that massive animal. How did that happen? So there were... Who you are in your so the only thing the way I can explain it is that especially for a lot of guys, who you are in your twenties is generally not who you are in your forties. <laughs> true, so, thank God. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> so the breed, those breeds type of breeds still appeal to me, but for different reasons. They're just I like the bull breeds, the breeds that I'm drawn to. Um, they were just appealing, you know. I just like them. I would probably never get either of them again. <laughs> For a bunch of reasons, and yeah, it was just time and place in my life and an attitude which I I had, which I'll hopefully have moved on from. Isn't that amazing? And when you look at people you work with, I'm talking about clients and things, like when you, when someone walked into the room with their dog breed of choice, it's impossible, right, not to make every assumption in the world. And you're probably right about all the assumptions that you're making. It's this like pathology about people selecting dogs and what they're really doing is selecting for something in their life they're either trying to move towards or move away from. Do you see that? Yeah, without a doubt. I was doing a course recently and we were doing shaping exercises. And when I was playing the role of the learner and the trainer who was training me said that, he said, you're such a collie. He says, that is, you know, which I don't know if it's particularly a compliment. Listen, I, I, just an FYI, quick disclosure is I have two collies. So for me, I'm all, I'm automatically in love with you right now. If someone assigned that breed to your temperament, I'm happy to, I I adore you immediately. That is funny because that is true, right? You can look at anybody in your life and easily sum them up by assigning them a breed or a mix of breeds. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of amazing, actually. It's like we have our own language around how to assess people's personalities by just using a dog breed. All right. Anyway, so you had these you had these larger dogs, and you took them on when you were in a different place in your life, and you've obviously matured and and you've evolved. And you've what is your dog of choice now? Uh, so the one I have just now, she is a little. Um, she's not a kelpie, but she effectively is. So she looks like a kelpie and acts like a kelpie. And yeah, so that's who I have just now. Wait, why is she not a kelpie? If she looks and acts like one, what? what why isn't she one? She's a what you would call a mutt. So she's she's definitely a crossbred dog. Got it. You know, um, Got it. So, but she looks and acts. Um, everything about her is kelpieish because I've started studying them since I got her, and her movement, her dimensions. Everything about her is very much like that, you know, so. Um, Has she been a great teacher for you? Yeah, it's been, um, I always think that 
the conversation, if you could, you know, when you answer for more fives about what your dog is saying and all these types of things, but the kind of thing that, like, after two weeks that she came in, she kind of looked to me as if I don't care what books you've read, who you've studied with, none of this works with me. So I really had to, I had to really look at what was motivating her, how to train her, and it's been a massive learning curve for me. You know, how long has she been in your life? Uh, Eighteen months. Eighteen months. Wow. So you've, wow. That I was expecting you to say, you know, three or four years. So you know, you've progressed as a professional trainer. Um, you've expanded your knowledge base. You continue to evolve, you know, obviously on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. But 18 months ago, I feel like, you know, if you became a professional doctor in 2009, um, we're now, what, 2000, what are we, 2017? So you were pretty far along the path. What, what's her name, by the way? So I don't just keep calling her her. What's her name? Uh, Watson. Watson? Yeah, Watson. Okay, so when Watson came into your life 18 months ago, I mean, you were pretty, I would imagine, pretty clear about how you're going to elicit responses and behaviors and what kind of reinforcement tools you were using. So yeah. I'm just curious, as a dog trainer myself, I'm just curious to find out what like, what was so different about Watson that was that made you even change more or learn new things. She is she's too fast for me, so I have to really work on slowing her down okay. um, because I can't keep up with how quickly she progresses. So what will tend to happen is that, so just now as I'm talking to you, this is a really slow pace for me to talk. And I'm having to slow my voice down because your listeners in the States won't understand a word I say if I speak quickly. So um, that's my natural inclination is to talk quickly and move quickly. And But if I do that with Watson, she gets frustrated that I'm not keeping up with her. So I have to. So if you're going, wait, if so, I understand. If you are going at your normal rapid pace, you're yeah. still not going fast enough for her. I can't keep up with her. I don't. I don't have time to think about. So, what so hold on. So let me just make sure I understand. So she's probably the one thinking, John. I'm going to make this really easy for you. So she's the one that has to slow her thinking down to be able to catch up with you. Is that what you're basically saying? Yeah, yeah. So she has to really, but I had to, that was one of the skills that she lacked. She did everything at 100 miles an hour. So and is she still that way? Yeah, still, yeah, yeah. So how do you, so what are some of the things you've done then? What are some of the ways that you've evolved as far as, like I mentioned before, those tools and reinforcement methods? What are some of the things you've done? So I started looking more, um, The one of my colleagues, Claire Russell, is one of Kay Lawrence's tutors. Okay, sure. Um, so I looked more at, we really studied, what's really switched me on is it's looking at her as a hunting animal and seeing why she's doing the behaviours mm-hmm. from the hunting ethology, if you like. Sure. You know, so um, it was things like focusing or slowing down. I, I really had to slow down my delivery of reinforcement, you know. So if I was, I was doing, if I'm doing a clicker training lesson with her, I really have to, it's everything's done at really slow, steady pace. Like so deliberate with, with more deliberate kind of more deliberate intention yeah and that does slow her down really and it then allows her time to think rather than just racing through things so she's then thinking about what the click is marking and being considerate in herself of how she moves her body you know but the flip side of that is that i can use her speed to her advantage so one of the things that she does is that we've been working on is she when we first started her she really fixated on other dogs so what she wants to do is chase them and wrestle you know so she's had too much uninterrupted play in her early years the first year of her life she thinks she plays with all dogs like this and kind of puppy playing an adult body if you like um, and so I was able to use her speed. If she sees another dog and she wants to chase, she then chases the ball, you know, 
and we did a lot of tug with her. So her recalls, I mean, she hits like if she was ten kilos heavier, I could have done a lot. Of, I could have done protection work with her because she hits the tug toy or the sleeve like a train. You know, she just she torpedoes you, which is great. You know, um, so I'm I'm able to harness some of that speed to so, our advantage. So in a situation like with Watson. And your evolution as far as approaching problems differently and looking to, you know, achieve greater, greater success. You know, I know that you're really active in social media and you have a huge following and a huge audience. Do you share, you know, and I haven't, I haven't gone that deep into looking at some of the things that you post. So I'm going to ask you this question and I, you know, I want you to, you know, take that, keep that in mind. But when you share these things or do you share your successes and your challenges and how you've evolved, is that something that you're very open about? Yeah, I do. So with my social media, there's there's a couple of things for it. When I started, my motivation primarily for my social media is a marketing tool for mm-hmm. my business. So that's what sure. it's for. Um, sure. I then use that platform to educate people, but you'll not actually see if you watch my videos, there's not an awful lot of really, there's not an awful lot of training technique. I saw it. that. I watched a couple of videos and I saw that there wasn't a lot that it's just more, so yeah, so you're doing that purposely. Yeah, yeah, because you need to pay me for, for the right. knowledge that I have, you know. That's so, right. and as a business model, I think that I make no bones about it. I don't make any excuses or apologize for it. Um, I have to make a living, so I'm not going to give my knowledge away for free, but I can use the platform in order to educate people to think differently, you know. So the video blogs that I do with me just talking into camera about concepts or what I've learned at a seminar is just to try and get people thinking of how they can apply that to their dog. I have put stuff of Watson's success, you know, in our behavior around other dogs and some of her calmness and stuff like that. And she's usually talking about the background in my videos anyway, you know. So I don't know if that answers your question. Well, that's, I mean, it's more of it's more of a probing kind of a discussion than a question. I guess I guess you definitely answer the question, but maybe maybe what I really want to ask is a little bit of a deeper look into your interactions on social media. So I think you are, you know, you are. Again, you've got this really active and really engaged community. And do you find that when you do post things that you're helping people to change their minds for the better about their beliefs? Or do you think it's more of a preaching to the choir situation? I think a little of both. Um, I've had enough feedback from people who have been either on the wrong end of the balanced training scale, you Mm -hmm. know, um, or within that balanced community for, it's not even a word I want to use because anyway. I understand. It's a, it's a very slippery word to use. Yeah, but I, I have had enough feedback from people saying that they have changed their training techniques to a more progressive approach because of the information that I put out, which is great. So, so it's interesting because you're you're very clear. And I wanna, when we get back from our break, I really want to dive a, little, a lot more into the business side of your perspective. I want to talk about your business perspective and look a little bit more at that model and what are some beliefs that you hold around running a business. but And also some things that I think are broken and get your opinion on those as well. But in the meantime, so it sounds like you have this side of yourself. So yes, you're a businessman. You want to be paid for the things that you do well and the things that you've spent money on learning about. But it sounds like you're also really comfortable and uh, to use the word proud of the fact that even for the folks that you're not converting to a monetization situation, they're not paying, but you feel, it feels like you're proud of the impact you're making from a, from just a kind of a, uh, just from giving of yourself kind of a volunteer basis, if you will. Yeah. Am I getting that right? Yeah. And it goes back to, it's not just about 
again, when we were talking earlier on about your own evolution of your life and what you want and what you want to contribute to this world, there has to be there has to be some uh, contribution, you know. So it's easy for me to, and it's a double whammy for me. I am motivated by helping people in my, my previous career. It was the primary reason for doing it. So I'm able to educate people and market on the back of that, if you like, you know. So yeah. there's dual benefit for me and. That I am talking to you right now is because I have been so active, you know, which then allows us to reach more people. I don't really mind who's doing it as long as somebody's doing it, but I'm as well doing it if nobody else is doing it, you know. Yeah, and you're doing a phenomenal job. I mean, you're just doing a, a bang up job for sure. And again, you know, there's, you know, there's a lot of dog trainers out there to follow, and a lot of people who are, you know, kind of dog trainer maids. They kind of make themselves into some celebrity. And I feel like what you've done, based on what I understand and what you're sharing with me now, what my team talks about when they talk about you, that yours is just so authentic. And uh, and obviously that's why you're having the success. So we're going to take a break, John, and we're going to come back and talk about the business part of it because I think for our listeners and for the show, I think it's really important to you know talk about the passion, talk about what led you to where you are, but also to you know try to grab some tips and some tools and some really actionable things to think about. So you're cool with that? Yeah, perfect. Great, awesome. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, guys. I'm Jimmy McDowell, I'm your host on Pets Mean Business with my lovely, thoughtful, talented, and kind guest John McGuigan. And when I get back, we'll talk more. Thanks. My Golden Retriever Sundance is a lot more playful now. She has more pep and energy. Tons of energy. Happy the rescue dog is happy the healthy dog. Petey is having fun again. He's got a shiny coat and a good healthy weight. Molly's been having four scoops a day. She pushes her little bowl all the way across the room, emptying every last single crumb. She has slimmed down and gotten this puppy look. She's got life. She's got energy. We get asked all the time when we're at shows, how do you get your dog so healthy and shiny and glossy? D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. 859-428-1000. The omega-3 fatty acids. Flaxseed, zinc, alfalfa. The digestive enzymes that are cooked out of regular dog food. Dynavite is nutrition. Just feed your dog right. Do the Dynavite. 859-428-1000. 859-428-1000. Dynavite for life. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Hi, I'm Dana Humphrey, the founder of Whitegate PR. We have been specializing in PR and marketing in the pet industry for over 10 years. If you have a pet product or service you would like to promote, give us a call. We can help create awareness for your brand on TV, radio, magazines, newspapers, and blogs. Feel free to reach me directly at 619-414-9307 or learn more on our website at whitegatepr.com or follow us on Facebook. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com Okay guys, we're back from break to talk more with 
John and talk about, um, you know, John, we haven't done yet, which I just want to establish really quickly some data points so people can find you, but also in the show notes for this, they can, we'll list all your stuff too. But can you just give just a quick rundown on your Twitter address or your email address? Like give us some, give me something that people can look at if they're just sitting in their, you know, sitting in their room on their cell phone listening to this and they want to go ahead and look at you, look at you somewhere. How, how would they find you? Okay. So on Facebook is Glasgow Dog Trainer and Behaviour Consultant. On Twitter, I've got two, I've got a personal one, which, um, and I think I don't, I'm not super active on that. I think it's Fight Back With Love or something it's called. All right, well, yeah. well, well, it's okay. We'll get it from you and I'll make sure I put it in the show notes so you don't need to even be, that's okay. But we know that the main way to find you and to follow you is through your Facebook page, correct? Yeah. And, okay. and YouTube as well. If you search YouTube for Glasgow Dog Trainer, you'll find me as well. Okay, Glasgow Dog Trainer. Okay, cool. Thank you for that. So, John, you know, earlier before the break, we were talking about making money and running a business. And, you know, I think that in my experience in the pet industry for all these years is that there's a lot of guilt associated with making money when you're doing something that you love, especially when you're doing something with animals. Yeah. Uh, did you ever have that issue or were you really clear on the fact that if you're going to make this a career that you're going to get paid? No, without a doubt I did. Um, I, only, I went full time last April. I was a police officer for 18 years, so I was basically guaranteed my income until I was 60. And the, I left the police in order to do this as a full-time job. And I am, I don't want to say ruthless isn't the right word. I am strict on my business practices and try and treat people fairly, but I have expectations that clients will act and, and behave in a certain way um, business-wise. Um, I'm strict with my cancellation policy. There's some flexibility in it, obviously, but people will cancel their lesson because they say they have to go to work and then object to you charging them for them. And my response to that is, you have to work, so, so and so do I, you know. But I don't think I ever felt bad about taking money from people. We pay for our education, slightly different in Scotland because we actually don't. So well, that's okay. That can be our little secret. That's all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but but you have to you have to invest time and effort. You know, you have to invest time, effort, and money in your education. And I have people who coach me, and I pay for their expertise in a variety of things. And I, I think it's perfectly fair to ask somebody to do that. People don't know how to fit their washing machine, fix the washing machine, and they will pay an engineer to come in. But we are supposed to do this because for the love of our job, you know, um, I don't accept that. I think there's, the, I mean, when I'm working with charities and stuff, either discount it or do it for free. We all need to make a living. So what do you, what's your advice? I mean, so someone is listening right now. Let's just, let's come up with a basic case study, right? Uh, someone's listening. They work in their local animal shelter or rescue organization, and they've been learning some things about husbandry and about uh, positive reinforcement, and they want to start maybe in their neighborhood doing yeah. this and charging. You know, and obviously, they're not going to be at a place where they're charging something where, you know, money that you would fetch or that I would fetch, but you know, maybe 30, 40 bucks an hour, 20 bucks, an hour, whatever it is, right? Assign some value to that, to that level of, of, of competence. Yeah. What advice do you have for people to feel good about that? Because again, you know, you know that that is, that's so much easier said than done. So what, what do you think, what are like the top things or even one piece of advice you would give to that person right now who, and there is that person, right? There's a whole bunch of that person. Is it about self-worth that they should be looking at? Is it about guilt that they should be looking at? Like what about them in their life that is what about and I'm not talking about like the economics of it I'm talking about like what about them do they need to be looking at to get past that you have a skill set and knowledge which other people don't have and since the dawn of civilization we have people who have more skills than us who are, we're asking them to do something 
are paid for that work. And I'm as far from a capitalist as you but my, my my politics are not that way. But Oh, know. I know your politics, by the way, which I appreciate <laughs> and enjoy. I have. Listen, I, I, should, I want to make sure you're clear that I've done my research to some sure. very big degree, and I know your politics. And I also, for that reason, I also love you because you're a colleague and because I know your politics. But let's move on and continue to move on. So, okay. So that's not your politics. I got that. Yeah. Yeah, and also that the other thing that I think as well is if you give information for free, people don't value it. Okay, that's it's, great. It's been disposable. So by the way, we, that that right there, I just want you to just I don't want to run over that piece of but, advice because I think that's a really important one because if you need that, I think should I think that is a, a very declarative, a very decorative statement. If people get it for free, they're not they're, it's not as valuable. They're not invested in it. They're not invested in it in time or in money. And you need to charge every single client something, you know. And whether that's if it's your neighbor who's a pensioner who actually can't afford it, ask her to make you a cake or something. Love you know, so she, has to, she has to actually invest something in the process of our of our own education, you know. I can't see it. it's just it's how economics works and it's how human behavior works. You know, we have to be invested in our learning in some way. But I think what your point is, it's not even, it doesn't even need to be about the money, the cash. It's about an exchange of value, right? an exchange of something. It's an acknowledgement. And it's more than just a thank you. Like there's a deeper connection to whatever, whatever that needs to, the, the currency has to be something meaningful to both parties. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I hope that's helpful to people. I think it is. What is your biggest challenge in running your business? I think it's probably, if I had, I enjoy the business part of it because it's necessary. So I do networking, I'm a member of a business referral group for local businesses, you know, I do that stuff. But looking at it from a purely selfish point of view, if somebody could make up my diary and I could turn up to appointments, do my appointments and go home, somebody did all my social media and they did all my videos and all the rest of it, that would be an ideal life for me. But I know that that's not the reality of running a business. So you you are a true entrepreneur, <laughs> right? You know that you have to do these things in order to move the business forward, but you also recognize that there are some things that you're not as strong at. And and so you, if it were a perfect world for you, I'm just, I'm kind of extrapolating from what you're saying here. So it sounds like if it were the perfect world, you would be able to wake up in the morning, someone would hand a piece of paper to you. Yep. And say, John, here's your schedule for the day. You need to be at Mrs. Smith's on this time and Mrs. You know, whatever. You've got to be over on this side of town at 12 and this side of town. You would be able to do that, end your day, having made whatever the money is that you made that day, making changes in people's lives, impacting relationships, go home, and then wake up and do the same thing tomorrow. Yeah. Sounds <laughs> So how far are you from being able to do that? How far, when can you hire somebody? I don't know yet. I don't know. And because I'm a colleague, when I look at emails, I want to speak to the person. I want to do that initial, you know, the it's I have the motivation to and it's pretty much it's about reassuring the person that we are able to do it and they're 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 hearing the trainer that they're gonna get. So it's that initial point of contact and stuff like that. But that can be done relatively easily if you're strict with your time management, strict with your phone calls, you know, and all these things, which I think a lot of people, I didn't realize the amount of skills that I had from a previous job that I brought into this, but it's only been in the last year and a half I've actually realized how much of it has been transferable, which has been pretty cool. 
So are you open, though, to at some point uh, as you grow your empire? <laughs> are you open to at some point having someone come in and do some of those more administrative tasks so you can concentrate on business development and yeah. client and yeah. client relationships? You are. So you're open to that. Yeah. I mean, I've got two other trainers that work for me. Um, so I give right. um, Bruce and Lindsay are part of my team. And we have Jillian, who's one of our students. Um, so I've been training her this year. And then Claire mentors all of us. And and Shona, who's been come in through Claire. So there's the six of us that are moving it forward. But that's really only been in the last two months. But I am able to give them. So I'm, I'm hosting a workshop, a proprioception workshop in a couple of weeks with Sam Turner, who's coming in from Holland. And I've tasked Lindsay with finding a venue for us, you know, so those good kind of things. Yeah, good, yeah. Good delegation. That's good delegation. Yeah. No, that's excellent. You know, so it, it's little things like that. Um, Bruce's partner's a graphic designer, so he does some of the, if we're needing to get uh, brochures or leaflets printed, he does that, that kind of thing, you know. So, John, um, this makes me so happy to hear, by the way, because here I, I really am so delighted to hear that you're that you're already looking at, at making more of your time, creating more time for yourself through delegating tasks to people who are obviously there to support you and help you, but also, you know within their wheelhouse. So that is like as a business owner, that's something that I feel like a lot of people struggle with. And you're saying that you struggle with that, but at the same time, you're you're still doing it. Yeah, it has been, when I brought Bruce and Lindsay on as trainers for me, it was a big moment because I'm now not in control of it. You know, I'm tasking other people who I know, but don't know that well right. um, to do work for me. And it's, it's your reputation. Whereas when you're doing it all, you know that it's a control thing, which is not ideal, you know, but yeah, it's hard sometimes to give up control of some, but that's not unusual in any business when we start expanding that nope. the person who's built it finds difficult, finds it difficult not to micromanage stuff. And know? that honestly, that's the way to really restrict your success and your growth oh, by not being able to do that. You know, I, I'm in my fourth company now and I'm just really, I mean, I've always been pretty good at delegating and building teams. And it's always been something I've been proud of, but in my current company, it's, you know, it's such a bigger operation and the stakes are much higher and, and so I I feel like, you know, that advice and just kind of hearing myself say it, hearing you say that, how just vitally important it is to be willing to find people that you can, it's all about your leadership style. And I think that based on, again, what I know of you and what you're presenting here today and, you know, given the fact that you're a dog trainer, dog trainers have great leadership by and large. And so it's also about, it's not just about delegating, but it's about leading beyond the delegation. And I feel like that's probably what you're good at. Hopefully. We'll see. So tell me, before, you know, we're getting down to the final moments of our time together, quite unfortunately, but I do really, what I've, what I'm interested in hearing about is the next stage of how you're moving your business forward. Because I think that when people hear that, they see that, you know, you can continue, you you can do anything you want. And I mean that in, I don't mean that facetiously or as a cliche, but you know, you find something you love, you start doing it, you get better at it and you start really looking beyond that box and you start looking at at how you can um, really kind of change the world. Uh, I think that's what you're doing. So talk to me a little bit and share with uh, everybody about, that sounds so cheesy, share with everybody. You know what I mean. Talk to yeah. share, yeah. share about what you're doing next and how important that is for you and what your intentions are. So this year we started kind of training for, we started it as training for trainers, really as an avenue to bring on our own team skills. Um, and then we invited a few other people. It kind of it grew over this year. We started our first work. We do monthly workshops, which run for three hours um, on a Saturday afternoon. And we started with, I think, 12 in the first workshop. And in the last one, we had 24 or so at. Wow. Uh, 
yeah, which is really cool. And it's a different model we're providing. To the best of my knowledge, nobody else provide, nobody else in the UK provides what we're providing. And we're looking to take that on the road or do some sort of online venue platform for that. So we're still looking at the full, de- the, the finer details of how we'll do that. But we've got a few ideas which are kind of in the pipeline, which we'll be able to bring that out. And hopefully the community, the global community will be able to buy into that. Um, and I've got three. I'm planning. I've got three international seminars planned where I'm where I'm teaching next year. Um, any in the U- Any in the US? Not yet, unless you want to host me. I do want to host you. Okay, perfect. Then four. <laughs> so there you uh, go. Done. Yeah. See how easy that is. Put yourself yeah. out there. Take a risk. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And through if if we can get out and get that done, it means that people then know what we're offering. So kind of like um, very similar type of idea to what Susan Friedman offers with her sure. LA. Sure. Um, where it's anybody can come into it. And yeah, so that that's as much as I can say about it really just now. But that's we'll, fine. No, but when you're ready to share, you'll share. And then truly, you know, when you're ready to have that conversation with me about coming to Chicago, we've got a huge network here. We've graduated, like I said, you know, through our one of our programs, hundreds of folks that I think would be really interested in what you have to say. And I think, yeah, and I'd be honored and delighted to be the person to do that for you and with you. So we can have that conversation later. John, this has been awesome. You're, yeah, enjoyed it. it's been good. Yeah, yeah, you're you're a really um, interesting, sweet person, and uh, and I think you know you're what I liked most about our conversation today is your authenticity. I feel like who you are is who you are, and I feel like you've communicated that well. I feel like you're not trying to prove anything to anybody. I feel like you're living within your purpose and within your true self, and it just really comes through. You know, your your voice really demonstrates that. So it's been it's been really nice. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a little bit low energy today, which you know. <laughs> These things happen after big Cubs games. But anyway, I'm a little bit low energy, but I feel like it kind of, I feel like it's kind of perfect because I didn't need, sometimes I need to be higher energy to keep our guests, you know, going and have it be like really vibrant moment and vibrant conversation. But I feel like this was just perfect. You know, I feel like I just, I was in such a place to listen to you and learn from you and just be a part of this conversation. So I, I thank you so much for giving me that and allowing me to be right here with you. So, John, thank you so much for your time and Bye. for spending this with me. What time is it by you right now? Five to seven in the evening. Five to seven in the evening. Okay. All right. So uh, so that's not so bad. Okay, good. All right, everybody. Well, listen, this has been great. John, you and I will obviously be in touch offline later on. But in the meantime, if anyone wants to get a hold of John, you can find him through me or through his Facebook page. He's obviously got some really interesting things going. So if you're considering wherever you may live or wherever you are considering exploring a dog training career, John would be a great resource for you. If you are exploring starting a business at all and changing careers, John would be a great resource for you. So here we are. Just another fabulous resource brought to you by Pets Mean Business on Pet Life Radio Network. John, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, guys. We'll see you at episode 34 next time. Until then, go out and do what makes you happy. Talk to you soon. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.